Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left Thank side. you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode on the fin side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store on the finside.threadless.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL, Paulus Fanatic underscore pick. That's P H I N A T I C underscore pick on Twitter. We are back. It's been two months since our last show, and we do that by design. We don't want to just pump out shows for the sake of doing them in the offseason. We want to make sure they're packed with analysis and with content in a way that's easily digestible for you. But it has been kind of a crazy summer here. Uh, I uh, have a new son, uh, actually my first son, um, so I've been spending a lot of time with him. We've got our newest Dolphins fan uh, here. His name is Drew, and uh, so life has been pretty interesting here, Paul. Uh, how's your summer been so far? Good. Busy as all get out. I can't wait. I'm actually going to get away from vacation uh, within 24 hours of putting this up. But, yeah, dude, it's, you know, you, you know Cat's a big football fan when he's naming his kid after Drew Rosenhaus. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go. Well, I hope that. it wasn't Bledsoe. I mean, Jesus. Bledsoe. Actually, I think uh, we always like the name Drew, and I, I think that where it comes from is my my whole my wife and her whole family are uh, big Mizzou fans. I think Drew Locke at a certain point uh, uh, crept into her head on that, uh, and I always like the name Drew. So. That's what we went with, but uh, we'll see if uh, he ends up being a Chiefs fan or a Dolphins fan because my wife's a Chiefs fan. So we will we will take a look uh, and and we'll keep you updated here. Uh, something else I if do. He uh, your, if he gets your jersey curse, I hope he's a Chiefs fan. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about getting him a, getting him a little Tua jersey to to see oh, if. Oh Jesus! <laughs> you are to, you're uh, not allowed uh, to spend uh, money on a jersey. I don't know where the curse extends to. You're just not allowed. But like, it well, just, I, I'm going to message her and make sure that that doesn't happen. It's a pretty high risk, high reward because if uh, Tua turns out to be a great quarterback and we've got the onesie, uh, maybe we're kind of kind of turning this franchise around a little bit here at the, at the Captain Zero <laughs> House. So, um, but Paul, as far as uh, as as anything else, I we we do in the off season. As far as football, one thing I try to do is uh, I, I have this little drill where I memorize all the depth charts all, all thirty for all thirty-two teams. I, uh, I I read as much as I can, and then I try in uh, in July or in August to uh, go for a walk or run on the treadmill every day and and try to memorize uh, the, the depth charts for each team. Usually, I, I get about forty-five out of the fifty-three uh, right on each team. So that, that's just a little something I do. So we are still pounded away here in the off season. Um, but one thing and we're going to do the, here today is we're going to talk about the, the, the I, I got to jump in there. Cause to be fair, I, I just want to let our listeners know one of the things I do and a drill that I do in the off season is I let cat memorize all the depth charts. So we're covered there just so you know. <laughs> good enough. 
Uh, all right. So w one thing we're going to uh, do here today is, and, and why we're having the show here today is we're going to take a look position by position at the training camp battles going on here starting at the, at the end of July. So we've got rookie training camp schedule at the time of this recording for July 21st. We have uh, the full team reporting on July 28th. We'll, we still have to take a look and see how training camp is going to go with the uh, coronavirus pandemic going on. But as it, as it appears now, it looks like training camp is going to go on a schedule. There, there are going to be a lot of precautions being taken that, that the Dolphins rolled out this week. And then as we get into the season, might be one unlike any other. So, Paul, starting at the quarterback spot, I mean, I see. I have a, I have a tough time with this because I, I don't think it's actually going to be a competition with how the the off season is slated to look right now. Ryan Fitzpatrick is coming off a great finish to the 2019 season. You know, the Dolphins in the last uh, two games, you know, they scored 35 or 38 against the Bengals. They scored 30 or 27 against the Patriots. They're, they just look unstoppable. And, and this year they have a new uh, offensive coordinator in, in Chan Gailey. So you've got a new offensive system. You've got Tua Tugavailoa, who is the fifth overall pick in the draft. He's also got the hip as well. And you've got Josh Rosen in the mix. But, you know, I don't see it being a competition for the starting job, at least at the outset because of the shortened off season, because of all the variables in place. I'm going to throw that down as a maybe. And, and, and some of that has to do with the variables. It's, you know, if Flores and company believe that the season's going to end up being shortened due to the coronavirus, I could see a scenario where it's, they almost treat what they think is going to be a shortened season. Because uh, if, if the season gets shortened due to the coronavirus, it, it's going to be horrific. We're all going to hate that. But at the end of the day, that may be a scenario where we don't have playoffs. We don't have a Super Bowl. Um, I, I hope I'm, you know, I hope that that's not the case. But if Flores believes that that is going to end up being the case, I think you throw two out on that field and say, screw it, and, and treat it as an extended preseason um, in that case. And just get him some game reps in, in a situation that truly does not matter and on top of that we've we've got a couple other factors that we've got to consider here yeah maybe from the outset but and i love ryan fitzpatrick when he's good he is so good but when he's not he is so not and he he over the bigger broader data set of his career has not been a model of consistency we we've talked about that we we we've talked about the fact that when he's on, he's one of the best. When he's off, he's one of the worst. And given that fact, given that he had a good season last year uh, down the stretch, there's still the possibility that he turns back into Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you, you've also got to factor in, you know, there was a lot of speculative rumors about the Dolphins move, trying to move Rosen as soon as they drafted Tua. It hasn't happened. Yeah, I mean, a couple things there is I I, I agree with you in theory, but I well, first I think that it's I I, I don't think the the season is going to be shortened, uh, and if it is, there's no way to know that in the and at the outset of that, you know, we're we're not going to know in August, okay, that we're only going to play till October. So I, I don't think you can make decisions based on that. Um, and as far as as the competition that goes here, 
And when you factor in Tua's health, maybe the real competition is going to be for the backup spot uh, between uh, Tua and, and Josh Rosen. So uh, we'll we'll see. I but yeah, I, I agree with you on Fitzpatrick that not only is he inconsistent, or I mean, to me, the real inconsistency is year to year because we we've seen with uh with Fitzpatrick that you know you, you take a look at that Jet season. I think it was in 2015 where he had a great year. And then they waited, waited, waited for him to come back. And then he did come back and he had a horrific season. Um, the, with the Bucks, he starts out in the first three or four weeks being great. And then he just completely falls off a cliff. So Fitzpatrick was having a good time last year, but he, he can be a little bit volatile from, from one year to the next. No, I completely agree. And, and it should be interesting because each of these three has some form of question marks heading into the the training camp and it'll be interesting to see. I think Fitzpatrick does start right out of the gate. uh, But at the same time, I can see a scenario for each of the other two, depending upon so many factors that are really not necessarily football factors for um, some of them. Yeah. Uh, Let's look on, look at the running back spot. And, and by the way, we're also going to say our, our, what Paul and I have agreed on is really the roster locks right now. I, and by we're not going to say a hundred percent, but we will say that 90, 95% chance of making the team here. Uh, we're cause that's where the other battles come into play. So at quarterback, uh, we've got all three making the roster very handily, right? If it's Patrick to a, to a tug of Iloa and Josh Rosen, um, there's a chance, you know, maybe at the end of camp, if some quarterbacks go down or the coronavirus does come into play, that that Josh Rosen could possibly be traded uh, at a certain point. I, I don't know what you're going to get for him. You, at this point, you may not get more than a late rounder for him, which at at, at which point we are heavily in favor of, on the show of keeping him this year. Um, at the running back spot, Paul, you know, I, I don't know for the starting job if it's even a competition either because. You've got Jordan Howard, who played for Philadelphia last year and, and had back-to-back great seasons to start his career with the Chicago Bears. Um, he's slated to be the starter right now. They also traded a fifth-round pick on draft day for Matt Breida, who had uh, varying success there with San Francisco. But I think either way, we're looking at a we're looking at a split at the running back spot as far as carries and touches, at least to start the season. I do too, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a number of scenarios and packages where Chan Gailey trots them both out there, and you know you can flex Braid out to a wide receiver spot uh, and, and mask some of your packages with with them out there. So it would be very very interesting to to see how the splits truly come down. I mean, they're two very different running backs, and you can do some exciting things with each of them. I, I think Breda is by far the better receiver, which you need to be in, in, in Gailey's offense as well. So I'm intrigued to see how it shakes out. I'm I'm a big Breda fan, but again, we've only got him on a one-year contract, and this is a team playing for the future. So got to see what we get out of the guy. Yeah, and, you know, Jordan Howard, wants, his biggest skill is uh, consistency and pass blocking. So it and and that really lends itself to being able to play on earlier downs because you're not going three, four, five wide uh, as well. Five wide, you wouldn't have a running back on the field, but three or four wide, uh, 
there where Matt Breida is more of the uh, of of the fast running back. I, I didn't know this when the Dolphins traded for him, but when he was undrafted uh, uh, out of George out of Georgia Southern here a few years ago, he ran a four three eight and he had a forty two inch vertical leap. So the guy can clearly move. He can make plays in space, and his receiving grade by PFF was actually higher than Christian McCaffrey's. I'm not saying he's better than McCaffrey. I'm not saying he'll catch four passes, but he's highly thought of in the passing game as a receiver. And if if you've got Tua and you've got uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick mainly that can dump the ball off, get him into space, I, I looks like that's going to be going to be a good fit for what the Dolphins are trying to do in the passing game with running backs. Uh, the, but Paul, the the more intense battle at running back may be for that third or fourth spot. I agree. And, and one of the things that I, I keep looking at is I think they're going to end up uh, stashing Malcolm Perry over at the running back position, or at least putting him in, in the mix over there. Malcolm Perry is one of those weird ones that, he doesn't have a true position on offense, but he's one of those Flores, quote-unquote, football players that, that you can get out on the field and do some creative things with. That said, I mean, if they keep three, I don't see Perry being listed over there, but I can see a scenario where they keep four. And then you've got Gaskin and Laird battling each other for that, that other running back spot. And there are things to like about each. I, I You know, and our listeners know I was a fan of Gaskin's coming out, but I was also impressed with what Laird did last season. I think Gaskins would get the nod, though, because I think he's got the higher upside and can do a little bit more from that running back position than Laird, even though Laird's probably the better receiver. Yeah, and Laird, his skill is catching the football, and that may be replaced by Matt Breida on this team. And so you've got really – if if you count Malcolm Perry as a running back, you know, we've seen him – He's listed at running back, but he wears number ten, so he's he could go either way. So we'll, we'll he'll be interesting to watch there in camp. But let's count him at running back. You've got you've got really a battle for one or two spots between Miles Gaskin, Patrick Laird, uh, Kalen Balage, as well as Malcolm Perry. I mean, we'll see if Kalen Balage bounces back. I think he's kind of far too far gone at this point, and he's not a great blocker. He's not a great receiver, which you kind of need to be in Chan Gailey's offense. So, yeah, right now we've got the two roster locks as Jordan Howard and Matt Breida and then one or two other running backs fighting fighting to make the team. Uh, at wide receiver, we've got four locks right now. Um, we've got Devontae Parker coming off a great year, Preston Williams. Albert Wilson has a had a contract renegotiation where he'll make $4 million this year, so he's got to be a lock. Jakeem Grant uh, ex- re-signed to a an, an four-year, $23 million um, extension last year. So he's going to be on the team as a returner and um, so somebody that we, we remain excited about. This has got to be the year if it's going to be it though. Uh, and then uh, given that Chan Gailey likes to use a lot of wide receivers, he like nobody uses three and four wide receiver packages more than Chan Gailey. You may see five, six or seven wide receivers make the roster. So you, you're going to have a real big battle here. This is going to be fun to watch between the likes of Alan Hearns, Isaiah Ford, who came on late, Mac Hollins, who the Dolphins got late in the year, uh, Gary Jennings, a fourth-round pick of the Seahawks in 2019, uh, Ricardo Lewis, who caught a deep pass against the Dolphins here a couple of years ago with the Browns, and undrafted free agents 
uh, Matt Cole and Kirk Merritt. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, Paul, a, a lot of interesting battles here. I, I, I would say at this point, it, it would be a pretty big disappointment if Alan Hearns turned out to be the guy that made the roster. Would It probably would have meant that some of these younger players didn't step up. It would be a disappointment. And I think there's two different competitions here uh, when you look at the fifth and sixth wide receiver spots. The fifth wide receiver spot's probably going to end up going to the best wide receiver out of the mix. But then that sixth spot may be the one that's a little bit more active on game days. When you look at the two undrafted free agents in particular for, for that sixth spot, um, the fifth spot I hope goes to either Ford or Jennings. But for that sixth spot, I think it's going to come down to Merritt or Cole because they've got a lot of special teams value. And you can see from some of the pickups that the Dolphins made this offseason how big they are on special teams value. You look at guys like Clayton Fettelin, um and, and others, it's, it's, they really put an emphasis on special teams this offseason. I mean, they even used a draft pick for a long snapper in, in Blake. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to come down to Meritor Cole for the sixth spot. But for that fifth spot, you're probably eyeballing Ford and Jennings with a disappointing answer being Alan Hurts. Yeah, it's when you look down the list, you see a lot of players who have one thing working for them. Uh, Alan Hearns is the veteran of the group. I mean, this is somebody who, gosh, five years ago was, was an 1,100-yard receiver with Blake Bortles at quarterback. I mean, and then when here, here in the middle of the season, you know, he, he started to, uh, to take off a little bit uh, in, in that third receiver role after Albert Wilson um, um, – or, or excuse me, not not when Albert Wilson, but when a few uh, when when uh, Preston Williams went down during the year. So uh, you've got Alan Hearns with the with the veteran experience. You've got Isaiah Ford who really came on down the stretch, but he doesn't play special teams. And then you've got Matt Collins who doesn't have a lot of experience at wide receiver, but is a very good special teamer. And then after that, Jennings, Lewis, Merritt, and Cole kind of on the outside looking in right now but have a lot of raw physical skills and can very easily leapfrog these guys. Uh, looking at the tight end spot, Paul, really yeah, before, one before, we, before we move on from the wide receiver position, one of the things that we've got to look at as well, and, and one of the reasons why Hearns would be a disappointment, is the fact that while this should be a drastically improved team this year, this is a team that, that – you can see the way they're building the roster. You can see the way that they're looking at everything. And that that's probably going to come into play, especially at the wide receiver spot, because they're building for the future. Flores is never going to not try to win now. I'm not saying that by any stretch. I think this is definitely a team that can challenge this season to begin with. But they're already stacked up for next year's draft. They're building that young core and that young nucleus. And that's where I see a scenario where – the fact that Allen is that older, um, talented veteran in that room may work against him potentially because if they see upside and they think the ceiling is higher for one of these guys than they do for some of the others, you may not see the best player win the position battle here, especially at wide receiver. You may see the one that they think long-term could really be the best player out of all of them because they can sit him behind Devontae Parker. They can sit him behind 
Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams. So it, it, it's going to be interesting at this spot. This probably is going to be one of the most fun battles to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll be one of the most fun battles. And, you know, it, to that is, yeah, I, I agree with you on Alan Hearns that it, that could work against him uh, because, you know, he's, he is going to be, I believe, 29 this upcoming year. And if it's close between him and a younger guy, it, it could go to the younger guy. The flip side of that is because this franchise is going to be linked uh, to Tua Tungavailoa, you're going to see um, if Alan Hearns and his route running skills, if, if he's able to connect with Tua early and Tua wants him on the roster here, then I, I think Alan Hearns ends up staying. Um, but again, you could end up seeing six or seven wide receivers on this roster based on both the depth of this position as well as as many receivers as the Dolphins use on on a down-to-down basis with Chan Gailey. So at the tight end spot, Paul, we've only got one sticking here, and that's Mike Kosicki. Um, other than that, you know, I, I, I flirted with the idea of having um, Durham, Durham Smythe as a, as a lock, too, but I, I've talked myself out of that. And so it's, it looks like it's going to be, you know, the, the Dolphins should keep at least two tight ends, maybe three, because Jan Gailey doesn't use tight ends a lot. He uses he, Mike Kosicki's going to be more of a big slot guy. So two or three tight ends are going to end up making the roster. You've got Durham Smythe against uh, fullback Chandler Cox, uh, tight end pickup Michael Roberts, uh, practice squad player Chris Myrick, as well as a stack the undrafted free agent. Yeah, and and I, I like Smythe, and I can see scenarios where Changeli will use the tight end. I, I really can. Uh, but at the same time, Smythe has not shown what we hoped he would uh, out out of the gate, and there's no reason that he should have a position cemented at this point in time. Miami had some big upgrades along the offensive line this off season, so they may not have a quote unquote need to have a tight end in to really, truly help out very often as far as the blocking goes. And they seem to be big fans of my Eric from, from what I've heard and what I've seen. And on top of that, you've got Bryce Sterk, um, who he was a defensive end in college, hasn't played tight end since high school. And Miami, by all accounts, was on him for weeks leading up to the draft about how they really wanted to convert a defensive end into a tight end. Um, for whatever reason, it sounds like it's a pet project. Sterk was a player I liked at defensive end, and he, he's an athlete. And I could see a scenario where they keep him on the roster to keep somebody from stealing him, not necessarily as a tight end for uh, the stealing purposes, but because they're afraid somebody's going to try to steal him as a defensive end. Uh, he, he's, he's a talented player. And he meets that pet project that it sounds like Flores and, and Greer have really wanted and talked about for a while. Yeah, I, I think uh, Durham Smith is the odds on favorite because he's he, he can immediately be that inline blocking tight end. And he's seen a lot of snaps in that role, too. Um, but I, I think kind of uh, what you had said before about, you know, being being a two track competition at, at wide receiver I think that's the case with tight end too I think you're going to see Durham Smythe battling Michael Roberts because Michael Roberts comes over um, after being released from Detroit and actually has three career touchdowns two of them were in one game against the Dolphins back in 2018 um, 
but he is a big, he has a bigger, thicker inline blocker. So if he's better in that role, you might see Durham Smythe get, get pushed off this roster. And then you could have kind of that third developmental tight end type of role or competition there with uh, Chris Myrick and Stirk. I, I think Myrick looked very good toward the end of camp last year. I actually thought he was going to make the 53-man roster. He ended up getting cut. We got him back on the practice squad, and we're lucky that nobody uh, took him either. Chandler Cox, you know, he was a very good fit with Adam O'Shea's offense. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I already forget his name. It, Chad, it's Chad O'Shea, isn't it? It is. Yeah, Chad O'Shea. You're thinking of Gase. It's, it's that, it's that freaking uh, PTSD about Gase, man. No, I, I, I knew, I knew a dude named Adam O'Shea and that's going to, I already hate that guy because it's, I've been saying Adam O'Shea for uh no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Adam, if you're listening or you're, you're, you're still a good guy. Um, but yeah, Ch- uh, Chad O'Shea's offense um, called for a fullback. It's that pa- old Patriot style type of offense, not the case with Jan Gailey. Uh, he doesn't use fullbacks. So Chandler Cox is going to have to show that he, he can, be more of a tight end and that's the possibility he's got the size to do it he's also uh uh has pretty good hands when he came out of auburn too but right now it's not looking very good there for chandler cox so uh, how do you see this uh this position finishing out here paul at the tight end spot i'm going to take it kind of the route i said before i think it's going to end up being a i'm going to give my eric my eric the nod at the number two spot and I'm going to give Stirk the nod as a developmental number three uh, as we head into camp and unfortunately I think I'm going to see Smythe sliding off the roster and one of the things you and I talked about a lot is for Chandler Cox if Miami is going to use a fullback you know we've got a Landon Roberts uh, Roberts uh, we've got Christian Wilkins that can slide in and, and have some fun out of, out of that fullback role We've got players that can, and, and at worst, you can take one of these tight ends and flex them like an H back. So, yeah, I, I think, I think it's gonna we're gonna see that in goal line situations and nothing else. I, I, I'm gonna have Smythe making the roster, uh, and then the rest getting cut. I, I think you need to have one blocking guy, and I, and I have him winning out over Roberts. Moving along at the offensive line, we have eight locks. We've got uh, uh, Austin Jackson at left tackle, Eric Flowers at left guard, Ted Karras at center. Jesse Davis, either right guard or right tackle. Uh, Robert Hunt, second round pick, or right guard or right tackle. Um, Solomon Kindly, the fourth rounder out of Georgia. Michael Dieter, the third round pick last year from Wisconsin. And one I was a little torn on was Julian Davenport. But, you know, he's it's so thin at swing tackle on this roster. And he's going to be competing from day one for the left tackle position. So I, I've got him pretty strongly on the roster, too. So, but really, you know, it's more top-heavy at this position, Paul, because in a year where you're not going to have as many opportunities and not as many preseason games, you've got two raw physical players uh, at left tackle and right tackle, first-round pick Austin Jackson and second-round pick Robert Hunt, who have to win those those jobs there. Um, and they may not get enough snaps to do it. So at left tackle, you're going to have Austin Jackson against Julian Davenport. And at right tackle, you're going to have Robert Hunt against Jesse Davis with possibly the loser sliding inside and starting at right guard. See, I've got two raw physical players at, at the bookend tackles, and I've got a raw physical player at the right guard spot at this point. So 
it's we've we've got things shaped up a little differently because I, I've got Kinley kind of winning the role even if it's it's a situation where he ends up battling Jesse Davis at right guard because I think as as I've said with other positions, they're gonna play a little bit of the upside and take their lumps unless Jesse Davis absolutely blows Kinley out of the water. And this team seems to be looking for big physical mauling type players. Dieter, I've got him battling with Danelle Stanley and, and Ted Karras for that center spot. I like Ted Karras, but again, it, it, it does speak volumes to me that they only got him in here on a one-year contract. With that being the case, it, it seems like they're looking at somebody as more of a transitional in case of emergency break glass type of player. Yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll take that a few different ways is if I hope you're right on that, where Austin Jackson starting at left tackle, Robert Hunt starting at right tackle and Solomon kindly starting at right guard from really from the outset. Um, the caveat to that is two things need to happen. Number one, either they all need to be really good right away. Uh, and and or number two, if they're not good, you better have Ryan Fitzpatrick starting for a while. Because what I don't want to yeah. see is you've got a really bad offensive line and you've got two back there now. This line needs yeah. to be at least not one of the worst in the league. And that's where PFF ranked them by far. And I agree with them heading into this season. This this is a problem spot, but mostly it's because we have so many young players and so many un- unknowns. So I, I I have Julian Davenport winning that left tackle job at the beginning uh, I've got Robert Hunt winning the right tackle spot. I think he's a little bit more ready to step in from day one. And I've got Jesse Davis winning the right guard spot. Um, so we've got two different lineups there. So it will be interesting to see. But Michael Dieter is is the fascinating one because the Dolphins have, have prioritized size this offseason on the offensive line, not necessarily the versatility or the plug and play, that which was the reason they drafted Dieter last year. But Dieter also can play all three interior line spots. So you got to think that with where he was drafted last year and he could play center and guard. Yeah. You've got, he would have to be pretty bad to be cut. He would. And I don't think he's getting cut. I've got him as a lock to make this roster. It's hands down. I think he's, he's got talent. I think, you know, he's going to be surrounded by some maulers. And I just have to say, how great is it that, the all this talk about who goes where and who slots where and who starts where Eric Flowers seems very cemented at that left guard spot. Yeah, and in a in a pinch, he can move, slide over to left tackle. He, I, I'm not saying he'll be good at it, but no. If something terrible happens, let's say Austin Jackson and Julian Davenport both go down, or Jesse Davis, we want to keep on the right side. Then at that in that scenario. Uh, we possibly could, but yeah, what's nice is we have 42 roster locks here at this point. And last year, I think we were struggling to find 30 uh, with, with how barren the cover was. So, uh, Paul, let's look at the defensive side of the ball. Not as many competitions here because the dolphins, uh, signed four big time free agents, uh, Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba at the edge spots, Byron Jones, a cornerback. Kyle Van Noy at linebacker. They also got some role players in Landon Roberts, Clayton Fedulum, and, and Camus Grugier Hill. So let's take a look there. At, at the edge spots, you're going to have, whether it's a 4 3 or a 3 4 look, you're going to have Agba, Lawson, and Vince Beagle 
getting the majority of those snaps at edge. Um, then you got kind of got an interesting competition there. Uh, I, I think both make the roster and we've got both firmly on the roster, but to see who gets on the field between uh, Andrew Van Ginkle and Curtis Weaver. Yeah, there there's, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be in the mix. Curtis Weaver <clears throat> already was a, a surprising slide to where he was at the draft. And you look at that, you look at the production we saw out of Weaver, and you look at the fact that he did all of that while fat and out of shape. And you and I both know, and, and you know, having been in the, in the locker room there, having been in the team cafeteria, how much of an emphasis teams put on getting their players in shape, getting their diets correct, getting all this stuff in play, where I'm curious where the ceiling is uh, on a, a player like Curtis Weaver. If he's able to do that many talented things in a pretty good conference, well, fat and out of shape from a pass rush. Yeah, he, he, yeah, PFF had him. And again, we, we referenced PFF on the show, frankly, when we agree with them. <laughs> and they had him as the 23rd overall player in the draft uh, because he won so much as a pass rusher at Boise State. And he, he has some, he has some unpredictable moves for a big man. So just like Paul was saying, imagine, if he ends up getting in shape to complement that. The flip side of that with Weaver is that he does not play special teams and he has been out of shape. So if he doesn't come into camp and, and bust his butt, and I think he will, but if he doesn't, maybe he's not so much of a roster lock after all, because you, you may have Trent Harris, who's who dressed for every game last year, who was a former Patriot that Brian Flores thinks very highly of. Um, that, that could end up taking that spot uh, uh, or at least be more of the active player on game day if Trent Harris makes the roster. So, But we, we've got Strobridge, we've got Curtis Weaver both making the roster because it's really hard to be cut as a fifth-round pick. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Strobridge. He was a guy that, that I liked a lot, as was Curtis Weaver, and, and Van Ginkle's a guy I like a lot. And I think the more flexibility you see out of these players during training camp, the more likely they are to stick. Now, the one thing I'll say about Curtis Weaver being fat and out of shape, and, you know, God hope I don't get blocked for this, but whatever. Um, not going to lie to you. I can't see Flores being the type of coach that if Curtis Weaver doesn't get over his habits of being fat and out of shape, I can't see Flores being a coach that puts up with that. He, he, he is a no-nonsense type of guy when it comes to that type of stuff. And I can see him kicking his ass out the door. If, you know, he walks into camp eating a couple of Egg McMuffins every day. And I would hope that this front office and Brian Flores saw that, hey, we feel like we can get his diet correct and we're going to get this guy in shape. Um, so what I like about this front seven is with the addition of Raekwon Davis. And that's an interesting competition with him and Zach Sealer. Obviously, Raekwon's going to make the team as a second round pick. Sealer was very impressive after being signed uh, uh, when, when the Ravens cut him last year. But that three-technique role is going to be big in this, in this defense. And that's why they drafted Raekwon Davis. But if Sealer comes in and plays like he did in the last couple of games, maybe there's a spot for him on this roster too. Um, Paul, 
at the defensive back spot, now you've got some very clear locks. You've got Byron Jones and Xavier Howard at the corner spots. You've got Noah Igbenogany, first-round pick, who will obviously make the team. Same goes with third-round pick Brandon Jones. Um, starting out camp at safety, uh, you're going to have Bobby McCain. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. And you're going to have uh, Eric Rowe at the strong safety spot. Uh, so you've got six clear locks right there. I'd also say Nick Needham is, is the seventh guy who you've got to think is a lock unless he has a horrific camp. Um, so we've got really two interesting battles here, if they are battles, is at free safety, if you know the Dolphins drafted Brandon Jones in the third round, they've got Clayton Fedulum, who didn't get a lot of snaps on defense with the Bengals, but when he did, he made the most of them. And they signed him to, you know, he's going to make over $3 million this year, so he's going to play some sort of role. Uh, and you've got Adrian Colbert, who who played 240 plus snaps last year in the final four games, did a good job at the free safety position. So my hope on this, Paul, is that Bobby McCain gets knocked out of that free safety spot, uh, ends up, it goes back to Nickelback. It'll allow the Dolphins to take more time with Noah Igbenogany, who's only 20 years old right now. Um, and you got to think Nick Needham gets on the field too as the sixth or seventh defensive back. So a lot of moving parts there in the secondary. I think what's kind of cool here is the flexibility we've got with Bobby McCain. It's, I think if Colbert, 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 Colbert is playing Colbert. better, you know, whatever. It's Stephen Colbert there. We saw him in a Dolphins jersey <laughs> on that. And damn it. Um, no, but if Adrian Colbert is, is playing better than Nick Needham throughout camp, I think you see a scenario where we see Jones, McCain, and Eric Rowe on the field in a lot of formations for the three-safety look. But when they go to a tr- more of a true nickel back type role, I think you see Colbert come on the field and Bobby kick over. If the if Nick Needham is playing better than Adrian Colbert is throughout camp, I think you see Bobby stay more in that safety spot and a Nick Needham or a Noah Igbenogany come on the field and be that true nickel while Bobby stays out in the safety spot. I don't see Bobby getting kicked off the field. I just see him slotting around differently as a football player than based around who steps up more. Um, in the scenarios. Yeah, I agree with you. And in this defensive package here, I mean, you're going to have five defensive backs out on the field. I mean, gosh, between 70 and 80% of the time. And you're going to have six defensive backs out on the field. If I had to estimate between 30 and 40% of the time. So even if Bobby McCain in that scenario is your sixth defensive back, I'm still paying uh, for Bobby McCain to be on this roster for 30 to 40% of plays. He'll be out on the field more than that, but it, just if the worst happens to him. What I like about this, when we, ha- when we are seven deep um, and, and possibly more at the defensive back spot, it eliminates the ability that at the end of the year, you're seeing players out there like Bakari Rambo, like RJ Stanford, like Nate Brooks, like Lyndon Stevens. These, these guys who just it's 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 maddening to see a second it would be maddening to see a secondary that has Byron Jones and Xavier Howard a cornerback and then when you go to six defensive backs you see one guy getting picked on all the time kind of that Jerry Wilson syndrome from back 
back in 2000 uh, during the Monday Night Miracle. Um, so, yeah, it's, that, that's I, I do. I like the way that this defense is, is looking on paper. And when you consider that for the season last year, the Dolphins were, what, 32nd overall 30, or, and 30th in points. I think I've got that correct. Then, it, you know, it really can't get much worse for a season. Um, but they, it, it, it's nice to take those parts from last year, the Nick Needhams, uh, the Vince Beagles, and, and carry them to the 2020 season as well. It really is. And, and, and on top of that, one of the guys I just want to touch on real quick is Tay Hayes, because he's a guy you and I have talked about. We've talked about some of our shows this offseason as well. Tay Hayes is definitely a guy I expect to stick on this roster. He showed a lot of promise and upside last year. And, you know, it's we've had injury history with Xavier Howard. I love X. I hope he stays out of the field. I hope he is healthy and totally outplays his, what was it, I think an 82 Madden rating. God, you think PFF's bad. Um, but, yeah, this secondary is cool. And the thing I love most is how positionless this defense is. So, you know, we can sit there and beat the, the nickel or safety role with Bobby McCain to death. But at the end of the day, he's going to be out there as a football player playing different roles. And those are just – it's almost like the positions are loose terms to quantify somebody at this point as opposed to definitive locks where the guy's in a box. And, and it lets these players play to their strengths and helps them mask their weaknesses, which is something, God, our longtime listeners know, I've been beating to death for years. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, that it is positionless. And it, that was such the frustration with these former Bengals jerk-offs, the, uh, Kevin Coyles and, and Matt Burks. And, I mean, it, yeah, I, 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 where, you have the same players lining up in the same spot every, every play. And the design of the defense is either you get to the quarterback and force them to make a legendarily bad pass or – you're going to have wide receivers running, running wide open on each play. So, yeah, I, so we've got eight defensive backs as locks here. We've got Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, uh, rookies Noah Igbenogany and Brandon Jones, uh, Nick Needham, and Clayton Fedulam. Uh, Fedulam may not seem like a lock, but the Dolphins are going to pay him $3 million this season regardless. So he's, you bet he's going to make the roster. But usually defensive backs, uh, you, you keep 10, 10 to 11 of them uh, on your final 53-man roster. So that's going to be the interesting competition. And, and the, mo- the fascinating one is going to be for the fifth and sixth cornerback spots between uh, Cordrea Tankersley, who a lot of people have forgotten about, uh, and for good reason, um, Tay Hayes, Ken Webster, and Ryan Lewis. You could see two of the four making it and two of the four getting cut. Uh, I also do see Adrian Colbert making the team as well as, as the ninth guy. And then you're going to have a, a battle for the 10th and 11th spot among those four cornerbacks. So, Paul, we've run through a lot here. And special teams is really straightforward. Jason Sanders, Matt Hawk, um, Blake Ferguson. I, I, I don't see any way that changes unless one of those three has a terrible camp. But, uh, yeah, we, we've run through a lot here, and we're going to be sure to run through a lot here in the upcoming months. Um, and, and throughout the season, we're going to try to stick to the plan as far as reviewing each game that night, previewing each game with a guest, as well as Paul and I doing our own preview during the year. But, uh, Paul, it, it looks like we're going to do some live um, 
breakdowns here after the game so to, to, to keep the timeline a little bit closer to the game so it can be a little bit more raw. Yes, I can't wait. Uh, I, I really enjoyed doing some of that live stuff this offseason. Uh, uh, so for our listeners out there, definitely make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, that's that's where we're going to go live at. And, you know, I, I think it helps us get the, the content out a little bit quicker to, to, to our listeners. And, you know, thanks to everybody that's been listening this offseason. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. And, God, it's nice to have it be interesting instead of the dopey slow mode that we used to have with, uh, oh, God, uh, the Joe Philbot there. Um, so, and, yeah, I said Philbot. <laughs> Yeah, and that will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins' positional battles as we, we enter camp, as well as roster locks. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. So, D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth. Look, listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.